0: Welcome back to Stay Awake. Uh, today, we unfortunately do not have our co-host, and Anders, with us. They are away on recess with their family. But who we do have today are two incredible members of the Equality Unit. If you guys would like to
1: introduce yourselves. Okay, I am Atam I work for the University's Equality Unit, and I am one of the case coordinators um here at the quality unit
2: oh hi hi people i'm laruna matia and i'm also one of the uh, case intake officers at the quality unit um yes
0: (laughs) the introduction is always the most odd part because i never know like when does it end um but anyway so today's episode is going to be on consent it's going to cover harassment and um you know just as a preface to the episode the reason why this one was kind of drawn up was because we noticed on campus that there was really a big problem with students not understanding what consent is and as well as when their consent or when they themselves were just violated when their boundaries were stepped. um i think that's also an important word in this episode is boundaries um a lot of students on on campus new students specifically they don't grasp the concept of boundaries and respecting someone else's boundaries so i mean to kick off the episode i'm going to ask very basically, what you guys think defines consent? What if someone had to just ask you on like basic definition what consent is? Uh, either of you can go, or both. It's pretty chill. Okay, I can go.
1: Um, and this definition is from like our um, South African legislation, which I think is important. You know, for because these things end up in courts and things like mm-hmm. that. So it's important to frame them from from that lens, you know, from the beginning. So South African law defines consent uh, as, for, especially for instance, I'm assuming that we like we're talking about yes, um, in terms like relationships. Yeah. Um, and then when you talk about consent, you know, within relationships and sexual matters it means voluntary or unforced agreement. Mm-hmm. So that's what consent um, means. So um, in the context of a relationship or, you know, or a, or sexual activity, um, it's an agreement between two parties to engage in, you know, in, in that activity.
0: And um, what do you think, does that agreement always have to be verbal? Um... I know a lot of students feel sometimes that they never really formally said yes I give consent or on the flip side a lot of people who violate consent tend to say like oh they didn't say no Mm.
2: Um,
0: I didn't hear them say no or they didn't like physically stop me Mm. which is also a very weird one for me is when people say well they didn't push them off of me and I'm like that should not be Mm. where you draw the line but um so yeah does consent always have to be verbal is that like a requirement Okay,
1: um, consent, for instance, legislation says that consent does not have to be verbal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it it does not. But verbally agreeing, you know, um, is about respecting each other's boundaries. And you will hear that, as I think you said it in the beginning, that. You know, boundaries will be one of the words that we use a lot, you know, in, in this conversation. Um, yeah, it does not, it's it's preferable that it is verbal, but it does not have to be. Uh, even I, at sometimes, or you've, we've seen in many instances, in cases that we've even read about, I remember there was a case in from a student from the university or Rhodes University, which was a famous case that went to the High Court in Grahamstown. Mm-hmm. But it speaks, it, I, I think it's centered around um, the perpetrator saying that uh, she did not, uh, the victim did not say no, explicitly say no. and But there are verbal, um, physical cues as well. That can be taken as, is this person consenting to this or not? You do not have to kick and scream or bite a person, you know, in order to communicate your no. So it does not have um, to be verbal. Thank you. And I think it's uh,
2: But we really, really, really would encourage people to um, communicate and um, get an explicit yes or no before. You can engage with someone in anything that is so personal and mm-hmm. so intimate. So um, I would really say that it's really about respecting another person's body, uh, mm-hmm. making sure that whatever you want to get out of them, they will get the same out of you. Um, so to enjoy that activity, yeah, just ask for consent and say, uh, do you agree to this? Mm-hmm. And then you can, you can discuss it. And then you, know, you can get a verbal uh, yes or no.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. I do agree that there is a lack of like communication when something like that happens. And um, I think, for me, uh, I don't know about you, but I feel the culture in Stellenbosch, um, specifically referring to drinking culture and the nightlife, that really tends to create a situation in where consent gets blurred. Um, and so I know the university obviously implemented like the alcohol policy. Um, I don't know how you feel about that in terms of, does that really take away the issue that we have, does that stop the problem we have? Or do you think the problem is more in terms of within us? Hmm, that's, that's a very good question. Because <laughs> I know, you know, when, when the alcohol policy came out, I thought to myself, I was like, that doesn't really stop students from drinking. I mean, it's stopping them from drinking in residences. Um, but I, I'm a student who never lived on a residence. Okay. So I was never restricted until, I was never restricted until I go back. And so in my mind, I'm like, students are just going out to drink anyways. And then, additionally, I was like, alcohol doesn't really... It's not going to really stop these situations from happening because, like we said about boundaries, what happens is it's just people who do not understand it in the, in any case. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was... When I just started training, mm-hmm. uh, my father told me, you know, if you're going to get drunk and behave badly, that means you are a person who behaves badly sober. Okay. So, mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm like, if you are going to be under the influence and violate someone's um, consent or their boundaries you would have done that in any case so much okay so yeah i don't know if you guys have any thoughts on whether the culture really contributes to any of the i know it was a, it was, mm. it was a question <laughs> no i think um in
1: literature that i've engaged with and read um and stats and all those things yes it does say that uh, when alcohol is involved, mm. consent tends to be blurred. Yeah. Um, even for instance, it doesn't have to be alcohol; it could be a medication that someone has taken. As long as something alters, yes. you know, your, your consciousness yes. um, to consent, uh, it, it is an issue. It could be anything. I know alcohol, for instance, is. is is something that you know we have been talking about on campus and the alcohol policy and you know um and people you know feel that you know they don't they do not need to be told you know Mm. whether they need to be drinking what you know but i i think i do i do agree that um it's we can we cannot blame it on alcohol Mm. Uh, certain behaviours we do not we cannot blame them on alcohol Um, especially for instance if you know we tend to when it's like the victim for instance when both the victim or the the perpetrator or we call it for instance in our policy the respondent and the complainant Mm -hmm. the person who has brought the complainant the complaint and the person who's supposed to respond to it that's the term we use and know other universities have the victim and perpetrator terms but we, we we've seen how it has you know been used to ambush you know mm. uh, complainants or victims that oh like when they were you know they had drank alcohol uh, it's taken in another way mm. and and it's some sort of deduces you know the seriousness mm. of which is it's not supposed to be the case. Mm. It doesn't have to be alcohol. Um, it can be anything. It could have been medication that the person has had taken. What is its contribution, you to know, the if, overall to the overall scenario. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
2: But there's this beautiful video that we normally re- reference when we have these kinds of talks with, around campus. Uh, it's called the tea talk, um, or the tea video, or the tea uh, analogy. Mm-hmm. And if you just Google YouTube that, you'll mm-hmm. see that it they explain what consent really means um, using it, you know, tea using analogy. Tea. Exactly.
1: I think um, I've used it in in the, uh, at a training. Yeah. At, Engineering faculty or something like that. Normally, it seems to work for people to understand exactly what consent is yeah. know, in terms of- It speaks about informed consent. Yes. Um, for instance, when a person you offer someone tea and they say no, oh. thank you, and then like, and then do you continue saying no, man? You can have this tea. It's exactly. you know, it's rooibos. It has vanilla scent and all that. <laughs> you know, that's you persuade people that it also speaks to. Uh, the culture of,
0: for instance, how we normalize no low-pish wages. I was actually going to say, that's also something that doesn't really get talked about enough. I think um, very early on in the podcast, last year, in, in season one, uh, myself and the previous host spoke about our first sexual experiences, okay. which was like a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually our most popular episode, but oh. um, it was like important for us to do that because we wanted to speak about healthy and unhealthy experiences because those are things that first sexual experience is something that happens a lot in this setting it's a lot of people, and you know my my host at the time was extremely lucky that they had a beautiful first time experience and I spoke about mine and I said how it took me so many years to come to the conclusion that I wasn't in fact actively engaging in that I was persuaded into it and that was something I only really learned much later was that persuasion almost falls into the fact of violating your consent mm-hmm. because I wasn't really, it wasn't something I jumped up and I agreed to. It was something I had to be persuaded mm-hmm. into. It's something you basically broke down my boundary mm-hmm. until you were able to, to violate it. And I think as well on campus, it wasn't a story that's unique to me. Okay. It's something that I've definitely heard other times. And it, was, it wasn't until I started telling people like, oh, but it's, it's not very healthy that they had to convince you to have sex. That I realised that I was like, that's something I had experienced myself. And it was something that needs to be spoke, spoken about more is that persuading someone is also, you're, you're violating the, mm. the initial um, sentiment of no.
1: Exactly.
0: I think also, like it starts from
1: like which persuasions do we take as violations and seriously. For instance, when how we persuade people, let's go out for drinks. Mm. The person says no, and you continue continue to to say today, and you continue. It could be let's let's dance, Mm. you know, and then the person is like, no, I'm not a dancer or whatever. But we we continue to persist, persuade, Mm. you know, and And you really
0: just show that you don't respect that person's decision. Um, Because in my mind, like for that example, it seems so like small yes, exactly. um, just to convince someone to go out to drink but in my mind i'm like that person has already said no but you are clearly disrespecting mm. that mm. and you want to go out mm. and drink. drink so you are saying mm. i don't really care what you think i'm gonna mm. make sure that you end up coming out with me and yes. that's yeah i
1: think also another element of this point is um the who like who is the person uh, persuading mm. persuading you or persisting, and their relationship that they have with you, that also tends to alter like your okay to take it as a as this person is forcing you or what? For instance, when it's it's a friend, exactly. you you wouldn't normally think that okay, you know that this person is overstepping your boundaries, and we t- we tend to take it lightly yes. and politely. Yes. Uh, yet when um, when it's it's someone that maybe is trying to pursue you and exactly. uh, mm. to date See, you, yeah. uh, how do you take That also causes it to
0: be a bit blurry because I think, especially on campus, um, mm-hmm. that initial expression of, of, of attraction mm-hmm. tends to be taken as a, yes, let's go. Um, I mean, that's not a an invitation to anything more Mm -hmm. um, but uh, springboarding off of our definition of consent Um, I really want to discuss, I think it's important for this episode that we discuss harassment and what that entails what falls under harassment Now, first and foremost when I speak to students about harassment, the first and really troublingly the only thing that comes to mind for them is sexual assault, rape, in their minds that's harassment and anything around that doesn't really constitute um so i just want to get your thoughts on that and what you think constitutes as harassment okay should i start
1: okay for instance the policy on unfair discrimination and harassment in our university it has a section on definitions and i think it's very important that we acquaint ourselves with those definitions for instance i know when someone comes into my office or our office um usually they tend to have an experience that this has happened to me and it just makes me uncomfortable Uh, what is this not knowing that this particular behavior or act has a definition to it so i i would encourage students you know i know for instance we tend to engage with policies or whatever when it's like when it's closer to home, yes. whether your mm, friend yeah. experiences it or your sibling or whoever yes. or you are directly impacted, then you tend to, move, you know. But it's, it's important so that when we navigate spaces, you know what is harassment, you have a definition to something. For instance, uh, so that there's a particular statement on our policy that speaks to definitions sexual harassment, what is sexual harassment, what behaviors. You know, uh, typically uh, form uh, sexual harassment. What is victimization? Mm. What is harassment? What are microaggressions, you know, etc., etc.? But the policy on anti discrimination says harassment is unwanted conduct, one, okay. which demeans, humiliates, or creates a hostile or intimidating environment. Or is calculated to induce submission by actual or threatened adverse consequences which may be persistent, once off or serious. So I also want like for instance to also take cognizance for instance when one thing I've learned I'm not a legal practitioner Mm -hmm. but I've seen that when you read I remember in my early days as a social worker when I was younger um, I used to be a, a social worker within the like for criminal justice system, for instance, when it comes to when children are violated, mm-hmm. and I, for instance, you would have the Child Care Act as your guide, yes. you know, with how, and and you have to be in take cognizance of, of how you read each particular sentence. Yes, um, you know, in for instance, it says unwanted conduct which means humiliate or create a hostile, intimidating environment. And it says it can be a once-off or it it may be persistent. So, for instance, sometimes we understand harassment to be something that, okay, sometimes that it was a once-off incident and you think that can make it something that you yeah. can brush off. Yes, but yes. It's not when, that deep. Exactly, it's not that deep because this person did it once. But when it's persistent, then, but you see that from this definition, it accommodates both. Both, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I think in how we also, you know, read these policies and statements and how they are framed, it's important because we tend to have like to view it from one direction uh, but we can see how open this definition is mm-hmm. but that's that's basically um, the gist of what harassment is it is unwanted you feel humiliated by, by it you. it sort of demeans you um, and what what examples ever? making you speak of, for
2: instance, when it comes to harassment. I mean, particularly the example that we spoke about in terms of uh, you know you want to go out and a person keeps on persisting. Yeah. You know that also speaks to how harassment normally occurs. But mm. then of course you know as like you said um, proximity to the person or the nature of the relationship also mm. speaks to a, a lot to harassment. And mm. in some cases you might find that there's a power imbalance. That's yes, when harassment uh, yeah. really thrives and that's when uh, many people are taking like, advantage of. And that has various implications. Especially, let's say we are at a learning environment. You know, when a person in senior power uh, yes. targeting a student, yes. that has very that has very nuanced implications. Because you do want a degree, you know, you do want to do this. Now, how do you navigate the space? You know, how comfortable is it to come forward? All of those things. So, yeah, it really is a challenge. I I, I, I would say
1: another example i'm thinking of when it comes to harassment is that mm, you might you know hear about a lot of on campus could be stalking yes um uh, that's a form of harassment mm-hmm. um stalking um following people um you know okay. Weird. <laughs> yeah weird okay. behaviors yeah. so following a person or just trying to, you know, get their attention mm-hmm. in a way that they feel like, you know, it's it's harassing. Mm-hmm. It's you just want
0: to be on my face, you know, and I do not appreciate it. Yes. Then that that's also important. That I do not I don't appreciate yes, your behavior. Yes. I think yes. for me the example that immediately springs to mind is is the very the situation or scenario I heard that sprung on the whole consent talk that Wake is taking on now but uh, it was unsolicited photos from students on campus too popular in my opinion. Um, Yes. Yes, it was something we spoke about last time when I said I can't understand the full process of someone to send an unsolicited photo of their genitals or their body to someone else and not know that. That was, I think, the thing that really bothered me was it was them sending it to someone And they had obviously obtained this person's number over, like, a class group chat or something. So it wasn't someone they knew. Not not that that would make it okay. Um, It was someone they did not know, someone they they had just seen in class. And the student expressed, like, this was not something that they had wanted. They hadn't Mm. asked for it. They were completely shocked just to, like, get it. Um, And I think the thing that really almost broke my heart was that they said, like, Is this something that they can report? Like it made them feel very uncomfortable. This is is really something that they can report. And I was like, yes, Yes. it should not be a question. That's, photo is unsolicited. You did not ask for it. You do not want it. Um, Later on in the conversation, they also expressed that they did not want it and the person did not seem to get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's a big example for me is unsolicited photos and students not knowing that one, that sort of forms part of harassment. It's, yeah. it's something you don't want. And two that you can report that. Yes. Um, I feel like a lot of students are so unaware that they are in an environment where they can report things like that, where that there are people at this institution who consider that a violation of their safety mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that think there are people that they can go to because I I worry so much about um women and, and queer bodies on this campus who are Subjected to this, and don't know that there are bodies that they can go to, yeah. um, or that that's a violation of yeah. of their, their personal boundaries. Yeah. No, it is a subjective test. Um, if it
2: makes you feel uncomfortable, don't think about the intention of the perpetrator. Mm. Think about how that's it made you feel. You, feel, and you yes. So it's less about the intention and more about um, how it makes you feel. The exactly.
0: In the I also I always tend to say that, that it's we are put in these positions where we are mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And yet, it's always the victim or, or the complainant that has to think about exactly. how the other person is feeling. Yeah. Um, which is wrong. We forget that this is entirely about us yes. or, and our personal feelings. Exactly. How we feel about the situation. and Yeah,
1: yeah I, I think I like how Laruna phrased it. It's a subjective test indeed. Yes. And it makes me sad that um, students think that that's something that I should report you know it's better to to come and meet a laruna yes. and to come and meet a kakamba, to have a conversation with them that's you know this has happened and it makes Rather me uncomfortable yes yeah. and because that's how when how do we stop but the person will continue exactly. uh, going on and thinking that what they did was was right. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the, it's another conversation on its own that for them to know and understand that their behavior was, was not right, uh, someone needed to report it. That's yes. a conversation on its own. But yeah, it makes it, it rather come and meet a laruna and meet a kakamba to just have a conversation. Okay, this has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, is it something? And then we can sit and have a conversation. Is it something that you would like to address? Yeah, you know, alone it's or something you just
0: want to talk. or, about? or do you?
1: Or something that you would like a kakamba or a laruna to address with the other person? Um, because you know, there's also sometimes like levels in terms of okay where are you for instance in terms of we want to confront things uh, you know on your own and things like that or you know in terms or you'd rather have a person uh, at an office to come and assist Mm. and intervene and mediate
0: you know know, in in something. As you were speaking now I completely realised I was being so hypocritical now i was speaking, not hypocritical, but I remembered that when I met with Lorena last week, I said, oh, I had a case with you last year and I completely forgot it. And now that I'm thinking about that case, I'm thinking about how I, myself, was speaking about it with a friend and my friend was like, that person's harassing you. Like, the university is starting to become a very, like, hostile environment for you. I mean, I was having so much of anxiety about going to class and seeing this person or, you know, like, what they were saying about me, I was very unaware. Like it was, it was becoming a very stressful. stressful situation yeah. for me. And I again and again and again was like, oh, it's my hostages are It's such a small thing. It took my friend having to email the equality unit on my behalf, and Lorena getting back to my friend and saying this is harassment. Mm. Your friend can come in before mm. I actually sat back and I was like, that's. And that's what also, you know, something that I think is, is important to emphasize on campus is uh, I am considered a student leader in this space, someone knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have a degree in it now, so knowledgeable, knowledgeable <laughs> yeah. uh, on the topic. And I still sometimes feel like I'm sure. So for me, it's important for me to emphasize this to the student body on in general mm-hmm. so that we all are aware of mm-hmm. it.
1: You know, on that point, Yadin, yeah, like, also maybe add a point um, to other student leaders as well. It's what we emphasize, pointers, because sometimes you see us also that, okay, you are staff, you you know better, and you know better. And um, some, because we have different expertise, even us as staff. I think my advice to you as student leaders, when, for instance, you, you know, talk to each other and amongst each other uh, when you are unsure about something. Um, Not that, uh, because you never know um, who might have the answer or what may come out of it. Mm. Uh, But for instance, I believe in, uh, I don't know, for instance, in debrief. In debriefing and communicating with my colleagues about matters, and because you find that the other is knowledgeable on something, that, or yeah, you, had 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 you yes. might not, or have expertise yes. in something that
0: you might not have. So yeah, I just wanted to say that on that point. Um, yeah, I think I think we've gotten to pretty much all my points. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, like I look at the time sometimes, and, and I'm like, there's so much more I want to discuss, but. On these kind of topics, I always feel like there's more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's so much Mm -hmm. to say. There's so much you want to educate other people Mm -hmm. on. Um, So much you want to address. But I think I'm gonna wrap it up now. Um, What I usually do when we have guests is I ask each one to give us a closing statement. (laughs) Uh, So who wants to go first? Larona can go first. (laughs) I didn't.
2: I don't have anything to say other than. Whatever you're feeling, uh, I know it takes a bit. It it takes a bit of courage to come forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to reassure students, uh, whoever's listening, and whoever might be in a position um, where they're they're not really sure. Mm -hmm. I just want to tell them that's why we are here. So Mm that we can, you come to us. We we are social workers. We are here. We are here to do this job. So. Uh, if you feel unsure, if you feel you're going to become a nuisance, you feel like your method doesn't really, is not really a, um, big, one. a big thing. You know, come to us. You know, mo- you know, you will never know. You might find that we do have a way that in which we can can assist you.
1: Okay, I think for me, it's something that I always think about and conscious of, knowing that I work with students um, who, for instance. It's a huge transition coming to a university mm. space than a high school. Um, yeah, a, a high school and a university are totally two different things. I'm not talking about knowledge and, you know, what you're studying about, even, you know, social interactions. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people here. And somehow at university, you know that, you know, the. How it guided the rules and everything and in a university it's those rules and a sort of a bit related. i just wanted to emphasize and or say that i i understand that like the the, the adjustment mm. from a university from a high school to a university is a big one is a big one and also You know in terms of developmental stages Mm -hmm. because larun and i are both within the you know helping profession Mm -hmm. where you understand that there's a theory on developmental stages on eric erickson for you know for what does it mean to be an adolescent what does it mean you know to be preschooler and all those things so it's a it's a it's a jump you know between the two and sometimes you find that um the, your childhood developmental stages now, when you are in university, they have to match yes. you know, uh, a different developmental stage within a university. And I, I, I think for me, I do want to say that um, it's, be kind to yourself, um, it, it, it takes much training, it takes much teaching mm. it takes much um experiences um yeah and a whole host of things to to be able you know to even understand yes. where you are yes. at you know, yes. developmentally yes. um yeah i just want to say that that um take cognizance of that um you are at a completely different stage when you are at a university or you are afforded or you know told that you can you can be now more independent yeah. and 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 all that and sometimes it causes you know friction or yeah. or within you as a person so as things will happen uh, because i feel like at a university if we are all students when i think of a time When I was a student as well we're all you know going through this different phase within our lives Mm -hmm. as students and you know what does it mean so in in the in the hustle and bustle of all those things things will happen in between Mm -hmm. where we feel that you know people are rubbing us the wrong way and and all that so yeah um equip yourself um in terms of my mom usually says in every stage that you are in learn about it mm. uh, for instance if you are a new mom uh, i'm a mother what what does parenting say what do books say about this developmental stage mm. what do i need to to learn you know about me now um within this context you know what do, identity yes what mm. do i need to be cognizant mm. of uh, don't just move with the flow. Yes. I know we tend to t- uh, take things lightly and you know, like, yeah, there's terms and yes. ways where we you know, like, no, nah, it's not an issue. Like, we just yeah. flow, move yeah. with the flow. Because we are young people and all that. But yeah, I I, I think I would like just you know, that's, in that's conclusion really to really cool. to emphasize on that. That's some insight. Yeah,
0: I think that. Wow. That's really brilliant. Um, Brilliant. No, I I also agree, like, I mean, as someone who's still a student, unfortunately, (laughs) um, I understand what you mean, like that jump from high school to here was a massive jump for me. I mean, I went from living at home in a very um, culturally sheltered, um, religiously sheltered Mm -hmm. life. And yeah, aside from internally, that being such a big jump, you're exposed to so many new things. So um I think yeah my my end all for the students listening and whoever's listening is um to take note of some of the things that were said today to um Mm. do some introspection a lot Mm. um figure out what your boundaries are what Mm. you are where you are willing to go to what links you are comfortable with um make sure that in your day-to-day here on campus or when you're going out that you're not pressured to go beyond that you know i feel like it's so important it was something i i really spoke to myself about before i started campus was to know how far i was willing to go and what i was uncomfortable with because when it came to the situation at hand and someone was trying to really pressure me to do more or do less um i was like no that's not that's not something i want to do um so yeah i think that's also really important but other than that i'd want to really thank the two of you. that felt incredible. Thank you. Um, it's really good to sometimes just talk this out. And as much as this is a conversation between the three of us, I think the thing that I can emphasize with you both is this is going out to the student community. Mm-hmm. So everything that we said, discussed. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I find in these discussions, I figure out so mm-hmm. much. I learn so mm-hmm. much. I just so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know.
1: I also I, I appreciate the opportunity that you have given us so that we could also have a voice yes. and students can hear. That's the people behind such names, Equality Unit. That they yeah. are people. They are yeah. people.
0: Yes. They are humans. I, I also, yeah, I think um I'm gonna as when I post this episode it will be linked, you know, mm. the equality units information, their contact details, but it's so important for you guys to have a voice, for students to see you really. and to hear that yes. okay,
1: this voice sounds it doesn't sound so harsh it doesn't sound so like forcing because there are narratives out there that the quality unit forces people to do
0: this and And i think they think they're going to come into like a cold office with like a lecture type of person and it's just like yeah and then they're done um
1: i really hope that it has encouraged for them to hear that this is the actual voice someone that i can speak to someone who can listen to me so yeah
0: well i'm gonna end off there thank you everyone for listening and i will see you on our next episode